Welcome to the 26th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I'm your host, co-host Brent Hershey, and I'm joined by uh, Chris Blessing. From the top here, if you enjoy the podcast, we kindly ask that you rate and review us, uh, help spread the word, uh, give other folks a chance to find us and the unique stuff that we're doing. Chris, uh, looking forward to this episode. Sounds like you were able to get to the park last week. Yes, Brent. I got to the ballpark twice, uh, and then I watched a bunch of video for the nights that I wasn't at the ballpark. I got to Greensboro first, which uh, is the Pittsburgh Pirates' high A team. They were playing Rome. Nice. I will be writing up Henry Davis, their top uh, uh, Ooh, draft pick good. from last year's uh, draft. He was catching. I got to see him catch. I got to see his swing a bunch and got to watch a lot of highlights throughout the week. And then I got to go and see some double A guys. Uh, how was your week? Uh, did you uh, get to watch a lot of major league games? I was on the major league side this week. Yes, uh, I did catch catching up uh, with all that stuff. I didn't get out to the minor league games um, yet, but we got some. Uh, I think we got an interesting show for everybody um, this week. We'll get to our live look segment um, in a bit. But first, we're going to talk about a debut. And this debut actually happened, uh, I think, this last week, actually, right? It was this last yeah. week that Kyle Bradish uh, debuted. But, uh, oh, my God, Kyle Bradish is a dude. Uh, <laughs> as some of you may have known, I had the Orioles organization for about two years, 2019 and 2020. So that would be, I guess, the 2020 and the 2021 MLBA. And then... Last offseason, Brent and I made a trade. I received the Rangers, <laughs> and he received the Baltimore Orioles. It was a good trade. Uh, oh. His uh, coverage, it's perfect for your coverage, right? Yeah, I uh, definitely. Uh, when I, for the book now, I do the Phillies, the Orioles, and the Nationals, and most all of the um, there's quite a number of those affiliates at, at various levels uh, within a couple hours drive of where I'm at. So it works out good. So, so Kyle Brandish was just when I got to scout him and when I was, the, you know, kind of focus on him, he was just kind of an arm, you know, maybe one of those up down arms, a guy that might have mm -hmm. played up in relief. But right. watching his first inning of this uh, start uh, this last week. He was throwing 95 to 97 in that first inning. Brent, how was the rest of the start? Yeah, it was really interesting. It was Friday night um, against the Red Sox. Um, you know, Red Sox struggling a little bit with the bats, but still, uh, you know, pretty significant matchup. And, yes, he. I, I, this is my first time that I have seen him, too. I didn't get a chance to catch, check him out last year. Um, Radish, of course, was like kind of the main piece in the Dylan Bundy trade back when in uh, 2019 before the 2020 season in writing him up for the MLBA um, noted that he had, you know, add, added a little bit of velocity during uh, the pandemic during the, while he was at the alternate site. We profiled here him mainly as just a two pitch guy um, or, you know, being strong with just the fastball and slider. But yeah, he came out throwing uh, 95, 97, uh, the fastball, uh, had a little, had a little run uh, to it, 
or a little, excuse me, a little cut to it uh, that, that he repeated. Um, and you and I were talking about it kind of before we started, whether, whether that was intentional um, or whether it was just at the higher velocities, but it definitely, um, it definitely was not a, a straight through fastball. It had a little, had a little dance to it, which is kind of exciting. He, he then sort of uh, settled in at about 90, uh, 93, 94 uh, for that outing, um, and walk and worked, uh, vertical. I mean, definitely used the fastball up, um, when he could, uh, when he, he walked a couple guys strike zone, you know, it kind of squeezed him a little bit. Uh, some things looked like it was like they were pretty good. They got called balls. It wasn't, uh, his misses weren't crazy, but he was, it was kind of, uh, fastball heavy and, and had some, uh, pretty decent success with it. Did leave one kind of, center cut over the middle of the plate. Um, it was hit out for a home run. Um, there was kind of some, some shoddy defense uh, behind him a couple couple times. But more than just the, the fastball, I mean, there was really, you know, kind of the makings of a four-pitch kind of arsenal. Um, he throws up a slider, a hard slider at 86, 87. Uh, some of those, you know, start in the zone and just dive out late. Got a couple swings and misses there. Also throws a a, a curveball at kind of in the sort of in the more in the mid 80s, kind of 81 to 84, something like that. Um, a couple of times he was able to spot those for strikes, you know, kind of leading off on at bat um, when it was really effective. It's definitely you know a different shape to it, more of a more of a hump. And then he also had a, a changeup that he used a couple of times with some lefties, and it was really hit and miss. The one thing about the changeup was it, it's definitely a hard pitch it was kind of 89 90 but there was one especially to devers that really uh went both down and away to him late got a got a swing and a miss on that but uh with those with those four pitches um and kind of the, especially with the improvement on the slower curveball which uh we had really not highly that highly rated um in the mlba last year uh it was a really it was a really interesting mix. They scored all of three runs against him in one inning, uh, sort of unraveled in the second a little bit. But then he really, really settled down. I think he ro- rolled off eight or nine in a row, kind of uh, from in those middle innings there, and uh, finished uh, pretty, pretty impressively. You know, he's definitely a, uh, a different kind of delivery he has. Uh, it's definitely over the top kind of leans back and, and comes down, you know, up over yeah. the top, which, which, uh, you know, I think creates a little bit of deception. And especially when the fastball and slider are both kind of working out of that same slot, uh, are a good thing. And then obviously coming from that angle too, uh, it's sort of a natural for this, uh, downer curveball that he has, you know, really a 12 to six or when it's, when it's working well. So it was a lot of, uh, you know, kind of a lot of more up and down in the strike zone more than uh, east and west. But uh, you could see that uh, I think with those four pitches, it was, uh, it's, it's an int- interesting, interesting mix to think about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of impressive there for, I think for a you, first MLB outing. You can see in his uh, little charts over at baseball Saban, uh, I'm over on that page right now of how mm. exactly he moved up and down. Uh, of course, the majority of his fastballs were in the upper half of the zone, uh, but he yeah. also wasn't afraid to come down uh, and realize that like, you know, if 
if you get down enough, you can you could bleed it over the the plate essentially. It's missing, and and that's essentially where he got hurt. Is uh, you know that sweet spot with the swing trajectory. Uh, yeah. He's a guy that really does need to change those eye levels because the quality of all of his pitches isn't necessarily what you would consider top flight stuff. Uh, right. What and we talked about this today. I was like, when you brought Bradish to the discussion, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know how I really feel about him. Is <laughs> like it's the best best case scenario would be, you know, maybe an SP five, uh, and that's how I kind of felt like uh, before. But several different things have happened for him. You noted one of them uh, being uh, traded from one of the worst developing organizations in baseball, the Los Angeles Angels. To an up-and-coming, developing uh, farm system, which is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, And you've seen a lot of success stories in the Orioles organization, especially. And then I also wanted to kind of bring up the, you know, seeing the fastball spin. We we talked about that. We talked about uh, the movement prior to coming on here that we were seeing both uh, two-seamer and four-seamer. We we actually shared our screen and looked at... uh, uh, one of his minor league starts to see if that cut was there. We did see the cut. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, one of the things uh, that leads me to, you know, be on the Kyle Brandish uh, bandwagon a bit is his ability to put different grips on his fastball. To get that cut, he's probably gripping the ball a lot harder than he is to essentially get that arm side running. Uh, and that's what happens. And, I got to see Tyler Wells uh, uh, several years ago, another Orioles prospect, but with the Twins. And I right. saw him overthrowing in a game because he was gripping the ball in front of his general manager at the time. Like, <laughs> I, and, and you knew that. You watched the next start, and, okay, that that cut was gone off the fastball. It was a straight sinker at that point. In this case, from the starts that we looked at on MILB-TV, he had the same action. Quick, real quick, what's your projection? I think uh, I think he could be a guy. I mean, I'm I'm just really intrigued by kind of the four pitches, and so I think with you know with a good catcher and uh, with a good uh, kind of development, you know, with from this starting point, I think he could be a um, you know a number three, a number four guy. I mean, he certainly you know he's six four, two twenty five. So I mean, he's got the size and the durability there's no been no injury issues that i know of uh he started um you know over 20 games uh the last two full seasons so i think from that starting point uh especially as he learns to kind of um trust his stuff in the zone it'll it'll be you know it'll be very um location dependent um because like you said none of his stuff is there's no big super wow pitch uh here that Mm -hmm. he can get away with I I agree on the SP4. I don't know about the SP3. Uh, I did kind of last week say that uh, there's no such thing as an SP3. Uh, but I'm not going to limit you to that. Um, I'm not going to hold you to that either. I I still see the SP4, SP5 uh, vibe here. When I said before the best he could be was SP5, yeah. it, to me his projection is a lot better now. I feel like he's a starting pitcher. I feel like he's more than just an up-down starting pitcher. Uh, and that was his likely ceiling before, was an up-down SP. Regardless if he got ever traded from the Angels, 
Uh, let's say he developed with the Angels. He would have probably already been up by now, uh, given their <laughs> pitching woes and that kind of thing. But he would have probably already been up in the 2021 season with them. So, like, that is – guy looked like a major leaguer. The Orioles identified him as a major leaguer, acquired him, and here he is, uh, you know, pitching effectively in his first start. Uh, yeah. Really only made one mistake. And, you know, even looking at these charts, that he was he was definitely – uh, squeezed a bit by the home plate umpire. Yeah, and I can, I, I mean, you're probably right uh, with the SP4 um, because uh, there is, you, you would normally want to see probably more swing and miss to to project it that high. And although his, you know, he had some decent strikeout numbers uh, in the minors, um, this this start anyway, there was not a lot of, uh, not a lot of swing and miss. But yeah, I think you're also correct that you know, that's a great outcome for the Orioles, um, identifying a pitcher and developing it that way. And depending for a fantasy team, um, it's probably not a, you know, it's probably not a keeper league type of uh, guy that is a priority at this point, but um, someone that could be useful um, in the years to come. And we talk a lot about outcomes. I think that a lot of places talk about projections more than they actually talk about outcomes. This is a great outcome. This is an outcome that we kind of, like, if we've, as a guy who projects guys, and you are one too, uh, if you're able to project a major leaguer from a guy who was drafted in the fourth round from an organization originally that does not develop pitching like the Los Angeles angels. Right. Like that's a, that's a great outcome yeah. for that guy. And most yeah. of the outcomes don't end up that way for even better guys. Most of the outcomes are up down outcomes or a uh, high a or a uh, triple a, or a guy could just get hurt. So like, this is a great outcome for him. I think that's right. It's just, uh, and it's always, like you said, it's always fun to sort of, um, think you know a guy, uh, go in and find out, wow, this is uh, this has changed. <laughs> and I think things certainly have, uh, for Bradish so far, be uh, fun to see what the rest of the season uh, uh, has for him. Let's move on to the live looks uh, segment. Um, first guy up is uh, Brandon Williamson, who, of course, was um, – Part of the big uh, Jesse Winker trade, uh, going from the going from Seattle to the Reds, and when I uh, looked up his line here this evening, the thing that stuck out to me is, whoa, uh, this guy is walking everybody. He's got uh, 16 and the third innings pitched so far, and 15 walks. Um, so I'll be interested to hear what you had to say about that specifically, and other any other impressions on. Uh, Brandon Williamson. So, dude, body language wise, does not look comfortable on the on the mound right now. I think that's the number one thing. From the time he warmed up to um, to when he got taken out of the game, he just wasn't comfortable. And and you could see, uh, yeah, I, I went back and watched some video prior to seeing him, and then of course afterwards watched that same video. And it's a much different. When I say much different pitcher, it's not really a much different pitcher. But there's some things that he's doing that is causing this struggle, uh, causing his strike rate to basically plummet. Uh, first off, high three-quarters delivery, long-limbed. He's like six foot six. Uh, college teammate of 
fellow Reds prospect, and I, I guess soon to not be a prospect, Nick Lodolo. Um, <laughs> apparently really good friends with him. Um, if you listen to the 90th percentile <laughs> podcast that uh, Jeff uh, Ponce uh, uh, does for Baseball America. He had Nick Lodolo on, and they actually talked about Williamson being a good friend of his. And that was that was prior to the trade, so it's kind of funny that he ended up here. But uh, upright delivery uses his size well in his delivery, meaning he he does get extension. Uh, being upright, he's creating an angle essentially with his uh, uh, release point that you know you don't normally see. So like Lodolo, his uh, teammate is another guy that is tall, but he has like a lower three quarters arm slot. So it's like a different angle. Um, always good to see guys with different angles, of course. Uh, the problem in this start was his release point consistently drifted from pitch to pitch, which is the reason why he was not as crisp uh, and hasn't been as crisp this season as he was last year. Four pitch pitcher, fastball sat 90 to 93. On video, it seems a lot better. Uh, so his Mariners looks uh, from the video I watched, uh, you could see the the, the ride to his fastball. Um, it pretty much lived upstairs. He would alternate, change eye levels with it, uh, but not too much because it set up his curveball, which is his best pitch, and we'll get to that a little later. Uh, he had a near 60% strike rate with the fastball. When you're not getting the proper access on access on your fastball, uh, and that's what I think is happening here, is I think because of uh, the release point maybe being a touch, uh, you know, a touch lower than than it normally is, he's not getting on top of the ball, so he's not getting that twelve o'clock axis uh, like you would like to see with a guy with a four seam fastball that's essentially riding up into the zone. Uh, and not getting that has really kind of flattened out the pitch uh, um, and has forced the pitch to kind of go down. Um, flat is good when it's up. When it's down, it's not great at all. The story here with him is improve that release point. He came from the Mariners organization, which was one of the better pitching development teams. The Reds sure. aren't bad. Like the Reds are are up and coming. Reds might be, you know, in the top half. Uh, of of teams, maybe even in the top third of teams. So I don't really think that this is going to be a long-term problem here. So yes, the ineffectiveness of the fastball, note it here. I would love to see this guy again to make sure that that wasn't the story, essentially. Um, yeah. Three breaking pitches. Uh, the curveball is the most noted. Uh, it's, it's an up-down breaker, essentially. Uh, good old Uncle Charlie. 71 to 75 miles per hour because the re release point had trouble staying on top of the ball. But when he stayed on top of the, the pitch, uh, it was a deadly pitch, essentially. Uh, he got one really good swing and miss. Uh, when the pitch flashed plus plus movement, I mean, it just kind of uh, broke off. He also throws a slider. In like previous looks, the slider was kind of a tighter spinning pitch. Now it's a little bit of a longer uh, break to it, uh, some sweep to it. Sometimes it, it just dives vertically as well. Um, and then finally, he also has a low 80s changeup. It has a uh, natural arm side fade. He sells it well, but then again, uh, the it's like inconsistent. Sometimes it's really, really flat. And mm -hmm. 
just not necessarily a consistent pitch at this point. I think it's best point, best chance at being an average to fringe average pitch at, at projection. So that gives him a fastball that that looks about above average uh, when everything's on from video looks. Um, curveball with the potential to be a plus pitch, a slider being average, and then the changeup being just slightly below average uh, to a fringe pitch at projection. So four pitches from a lefty with some deception in his long limb delivery. Not the worst guy out there, but a guy that if we don't see it in the next month, uh, might be a dude that falls a little bit on midseason rankings. Yeah, and going back to just the the stat line too. I mean, it's just it's this is a new. I mean, all these walks is kind of a new problem. I mean, last year, you know, over a couple of levels, ninety eight innings pitched, ninety eight and a third, one hundred fifty three strikeouts, thirty three walks. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's that's not wasn't the problem this year. Like I said again, he's got fifteen. He's got almost half of those walks already. The um, I'm curious about the the curveball at seventy one. 75 is that is, is that going to be uh you know kind of hard enough to get away with at the as he goes up the ladder at the major league level i think it's fine if you see the movement it's 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 your true 12 to 6 movement if he can maintain specifically his fastball tunnel with it which mm-hmm. i think that like from the video i saw uh last year he was doing that effectively and so that really kind of made that curveball ever more so effective. Yes, we'd like to see it in the mid-70s range. I think that would be uh, a better indication for him. But again, he's he's a longer guy, so he can afford to have less velocity on that curveball. Ideal world still, mid-70s is where we'd like to see it. I, I mean, I just think I'm not a broken guy, but I think it's it's necessarily right now a guy that's just trying to feel it out. And and something doesn't seem right, and 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 maybe it's a development thing where it's a new organization who's not quite familiar with him, and he's not quite familiar with them, and yeah. they're kind of working through their struggles. They only had half the spring training together. Let's just say that in a month we revisit this, there'll probably be another two or three times I can see him, and I'll bring it back to the podcast maybe in July or August. Thanks for bringing that uh, on Williamson. Certainly, someone that I think um, readers or listeners will be uh, familiar with and interested. Certainly, to uh, to hear that report. Other guy uh, is Cubs right-hander Ryan Jensen. Um, what can you uh, what did you discern from uh, Jensen, Sam Jensen, this week? So Jensen was a surprise first rounder when he was drafted. I think it was 2018. Uh, might been lo- might been a little earlier. Uh, time just kind of uh, mixes in with its, uh, itself these days. Uh, Look, but, looks uh, like it's tw- looks like it's 2019, I think. President 2019. Steve. Oh my God! It seems like he's been around forever now. Uh, but yeah. Ryan Jensen is a hard throwing righty that got taken out of Fresno State. Very surprised first round pick. Uh, I remember uh, being on draft duty that night and scrambling because I hadn't had anybody tell me that he was a first round pick. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes somebody agrees with that. So I ended up bringing up a few of my contacts and one of them was like, we had him in the third, fourth round range. Another yeah. one said that they had him in the third, fourth round range, but weren't necessarily on him. I then kind of 
thought he was in third, fourth round range. But when you like a player, and I guess the Cubs really like this pitcher, uh, you go and get him. Uh, again, um, this game, and I know Brent hasn't been to any games uh, this year, but uh, I'm sure everybody's heard of the pitch clock and how quick these games are and stuff. This mm-hmm. game uh, that was started by Brandon Williamson and Ryan Jensen uh, lasted over three hours. Uh, and I, I want my refund on this uh, pitch clock thing because it, it's <laughs> it's BS. I don't think it exists. But anyway, a guy, again, just like Williamson, was not throwing strikes at a high enough, uh, high enough uh, rate. Athletic three-quarters delivery. He's very small stature. He, he's tiny compared to Brandon Williamson. Um, so, like, it was like a Jekyll and Hyde thing where you had one guy that was tall, lanky, uh, very controlled delivery in Williamson, and you had this guy coming at you high effort, uh, short, uh, very athletic delivery. It's a three-quarters delivery, uh, lots of effort. There's a head whack as well. Um, I, I have a thing when I see head whack that I, and it, maybe I discriminate, but I tend to put the RP uh, by the side of a guy's name with this sort of stuff uh, mm-hmm. because I just don't believe that those guys tend to be a starters. I mean, there's a head whack guy always comes, uh, you know, gets into the big leagues and, and maybe changes some perceptions, but overall head whack guys end up either in a triple a flaming out or uh, in the major league bullpens. Uh, David Robertson was a guy that when I saw him early, and we're talking about years before I even wrote for Baseball HQ. He was a guy with a head whack. And it was easy to kind of see. Uh, even um, um, Craig Kimbrell at an early point had a pretty extensive head whack. So guys that end up tend to tend to be uh, relief pitchers. Um, fastball sat 94-96. It topped out at 98. It has natural arm side run. And most effective against righties where it can run under the, um, under the handle. He gave up a humongous home run to, uh, I think his name's Isaiah Gilliam. Uh, I haven't heard a pop off the bat like that, uh, well, since Everson Perea the other week. But, like, <laughs> not something you often hear. And it was, like, it was pretty shattering when he when, when he got a hold of that ball. Um, not not the biggest prospect in the world. A guy that has kind of an up-down potential ceiling to him. Um, but fastball just could not find the strike zone. and. It was just not a case of finding the strike zone. He would, it wasn't a tight strike zone, what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah. He threw three secondary pitches. The curveball and the slider kind of bleed together. I kind of called the uh, 86 to 88 version uh, with two-plane short break, his slider, and then his 80 to 83, his slower slider. Uh, very similar break. There might be a little more vertical break on the curveball, but – uh, I could see how these pitches, especially from the angle that he's throwing them, throwing from that three-quarters angle, just bleed together. Um, so essentially, the curveball is more of a a change of pace off the slider, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Then he also threw a changeup maybe a handful of times. I think uh, maybe three times total, 88 to 89. Uh, he doesn't sell it well. He slows down his his arm action, which you know basically makes it. Um, unusable. So projection, fastball slider guy, fastball slider equals relief pitcher. Really, uh, yeah. 
equals middle reliever. So here's a first rounder that's not high ranked, but has the pedigree of being a first rounder that probably should have been drafted in the third or fourth round. Um, that looks like a major league arm and will have some success as long as he throws strikes. So we see a lot of relievers from year to year lose the strikes then, right, Brent? Yeah, all the time. Exactly. I mean, they're, and they're very, you know, the relievers, of course, at the major league level are just so up and down. I mean, the, and, 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 and here's go. a guy, here's a guy, and yep. I know that you've seen video now of him because I asked you to, uh, but you see a guy here that is just max effort, balls to the wall, um, trying to throw it as hard as he can from uh, a three quarters arm slot, who just doesn't have the feel for the strike zone. So it's essentially he's going to have times where he finds that strike zone and then times he doesn't. When he finds that strike zone, there's a chance he can be dominant in short spurts. So, like, this is a guy that's not necessarily a dynasty dude, but is a guy that once he gets to the major leagues is a dude that you want to monitor. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, really good breakdown of uh, Ryan Jensen from the Cubs. And uh, let's finish up our live looks with uh, a hitter um, that those that went to – uh, first pitch Arizona last fall will be familiar with Nelson Velasquez outfielder from the Cubs had a, I think it was MVP season out there. Um, really got stronger and was launching, launching everything out there. I know you got a, again, a chance to look at him here in double a, is he able to uh, kind of, uh, you know, use that as a jumping off point to get into, in the, into that upper echelon of kind of uh, prospects or, uh, is it just a uh, was it just a product of the thin air out there in Colorado? Well, actually, Arizona, not Colorado. Um, Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it, that, uh, that yeah, is the, the name of. <laughs> that is, I don't know where that came from. That is the name well, of the thing too. Colorado, First pitch, Arizona too. <laughs> yes, the Colorado. water that he drank during Arizona Fall League was from the Colorado River. From the ah, that's what that's what, so, yeah. So there you go. Thank you, you. thank you, partner. I know, you know, this Arizona history, uh, uh, 17 years and spending most of my, uh, you know, schooling life in Arizona has taught me a thing or two to cover for Brent when he says Colorado and not Arizona. All right, Nelson uh, Velasquez, uh, big power. Like, uh, if you've caught any of the clips this year, any of his home runs, they're all massive. Uh, I think he's over, they might be around eight home runs for the season. Uh, I've seen about six of them uh, just on video. Just looking them up before we went and talked today. Uh, but dude just gets a hold of pitches uh, and has that uppercut trajectory, has plus, plus bat speed. Uh, bigger guys tend to have, you know, slower setups. This guy gets into a setup pretty good. He is upright upright stance. He has a very little toe tap to get himself squared up. Uh, bat before the ball gets uh, delivered is resting on his um, on his shoulder. And, and it essentially gets the bat to the hip position with little ease. Uh, with little ease. With ease. Uh, so, like, I don't know where little ease came from. But anyway, it's a new term. Same place. Uh, probably came from Colorado. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, gets to the fastball uh, well. But, like, the problem with him is that he has this zone where he can hit the ball well. So, like, if you draw a 
uh, a little box from maybe just above his, uh, I don't know, midway between his navel and his letters to just below his belt, maybe, maybe a little bit lower than that. Uh, he can get to any fastball over the plate in that zone and put a good swing on it. Whether it's a single, home run, double, triple, he will adjust yeah. his swing trajectory, especially if the ball is to the outside corner where it's kind of a flatter uh, swing trajectory. He can get to those pitches. He's going to hit them far, even if it's a breaking ball that, uh, that gets uh, dropped in there. The problem is what I like to call the elasticity of the swing. He is not getting to anything that's below or above that zone, especially the hard fastball up. So we're looking at a guy that so far this year has a 40% swing and miss rate. And, of course, in double-A, that's, that's not a good thing. I don't think a 40% strike rate is, or um, swing and miss rate is good anywhere. But uh, specifically, not even triple-A. You're in double-A, and you're having that issue. Again, that's a problem. I also don't think that he sees spin too well either. Um, and he he will chase out of the zone, especially down uh, down and out. Um, like overall, I think that this is an up down bat. I think that the power could pull it maybe to a roll four, which would be a platoon type situation. But unfortunately, he's on the wrong side of the platoon. He's a right handed hitter. I just it's hard for me to sell to to buy this guy if that makes sense. You love yeah. the power, uh, you know. I made made a mention on a previous broadcast to uh, Adam Brett Walker. Um, Adam Brett Walker is the light tower power guy that you've never heard of that I think got up to AAA and just never got to the major leagues because uh, he lacked a hit tool. Uh, this guy has more of a hit tool than him, so like there's a possibility for the up down um, up down projection and if he gets any sort of elasticity in his swing where he can get to pitches that are not in that perfect zone that's where the platoon bat comes in and cubs are down right now um they've got some players on their team that i wouldn't really consider starting players roll five guys being you know in those positions most of those guys are roll four and even some roll three guys that are kind of you know, getting their way into the lineup because there's just not as much, uh, you know, quality in that organization right now since they're going yeah. through a rebuild. So yeah. a guy like uh, Velasquez could potentially, A, see the major league, see a regular role, uh, but, like, it's just not a long role for him, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think the best-case scenario might be a uh, if he could play center field even, like uh, Adam Duvall, he has a lot of the Adam Duvall type uh, characteristics. He, he, he might be a little bit, but he's more patient than Adam Duvall. I will say that. Uh, yeah. But like, he doesn't play center field, so you can, you know, you minus there too. So like, when you're but, looking at a guy and you're comparing him to Adam Duvall, can he play center field? No. Well, he does work pitches pitchers a lot better than the ball, but it, again, it's still going to be a low BA and. Uh, you know, it's it's power dependent. And as we've seen with the ball this year, he only has one home run. When that doesn't come through, then you're not really helping your team offensively. So, again, high, high chance at an up-down uh, projection for him. Yeah, and a really good point I think you make about that sort of 
perfect zone for him, which isn't, unfortunately, does not correlate exactly to the strike zone <laughs> uh, so that he can get, like you said, beat up, um, can be, get beat uh, down. And um, when you watch the highlight reel of just his home runs, obviously you don't, um, you don't see that as much because you see the ones that were in his happy zone uh, that he creamed. Um, so, but it's a good perspective. Yeah. The ones that got away as Katy Perry said in her song. Ah, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we appreciate that perspective on, uh, Nelson Velasquez. Sorry for the listeners. It's sort of a, a downer week here for, uh, Williamson <laughs> and Velasquez. Uh, but on the other hand, I mean, this is what we do. We, uh, we give you what we see and, uh, hopefully you find that as useful, just as useful as all the wow moments that uh, that we uh, see at the park uh, also. We're gambling. It's it's like, uh, you know, it's Valentine's Day and you got the candy uh, Valentine and you don't know which chocolate you're eating into at any given time. So some weeks you get to see everybody good and then other weeks you get to see everybody not so good. And, and really and truly, I think that we can identify who Velasquez and Jensen is from these looks. Uh, yeah. With Williamson, you know, there's there's more to it than that. So, yeah, yeah. like it, it, it's not totally the worst case scenario, but I'm looking forward to to you know jumping into him again in two weeks, hopefully, and then maybe again, uh, you know, in June or July, and then be able to bring him back to this uh, podcast. Right. Yeah. Yep. And as we always say, I mean, the whole you know progression is not linear. Um, you know, of course. I mean, the most recent one, the most recent example of that is uh, is Mackenzie Gore, like we have talked about before. Um, these guys just go through uh, through these development changes um, at, at various levels, and sometimes um, they they uh, don't look so good, and sometimes they uh, rebound. Anyway, that's uh, we'll kind of wrap up our live look segment. Thanks for those. What's on tap uh, for you this week? You mentioned. Uh, I think that you'll probably not had not be going to the park this week. What are you, what do you, do you have going? So, yeah, again, um, my teams are on the same schedule right now. It breaks up in about three weeks uh, when the Rome Braves go north for two weeks. Uh, so they'll be up in your neck of the woods in Aberdeen and in Hudson Valley. Okay. Uh, however, uh, until then, uh, until they take that long road trip, uh, they're on at the same time as the Chattanooga Lookout. So uh, usually they're not like that, and it makes covering so much easier um, where you can get somebody one week and one week uh, get another yeah. guy at a different stadium. So uh, we're going to concentrate here in Georgia looking at video from out west, uh, oh, specifically good. the California League. And the yep. Northwest League. Uh, I, I kind of hit on some double-A guys last week. Uh, and, and so that's that's what I'm going to concentrate on this week to get an article for next week. Uh, and my article for this week will be Henry Davis of the Pirates Organization. Oh, yeah, so right. So it, it, it should be a pretty good premium uh, article uh, for the site. Um, Brent? Uh, we already discussed this offline, but I know that you are um, probably going to get stuck inside again this week. Uh, 
Yeah, Brent, I'll try to. Brent, Brent, you're allergic to the baseball stadium right now. Oh, man, I know. It's, it's tough. I, I'm not sure I'll remember when I get out there. But we'll do some. Uh, we'll do some. Either I'll join you on uh, do, doing some uh, out west stuff, or I'll uh, focus some more on uh, some of the rookies uh, in the in the major leagues this week. Um, we'll definitely uh, bring you all some interesting, hopefully, insights um, to our show next week. Uh, or we'll when, just get a yeah. guest. Like we can or just get we. A guest. Or we may just bring in another guest. That's a that's a good point too. Uh, I think that's what I think that's the whole point of guests is those weeks that we don't we can't get out. We just use them, give them some publicity, and then you know they use us. Yeah. We use them, right? It, it it all works out like that. So we'll work on that also, and uh, possibly get another voice here to join us uh, next week. As always, thanks for listening to this episode of The Eyes Have It. You can uh, contact us. We'd love to have any listener questions for a future show. You can do that via email at theeyeshaveit at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Chris is at C underscore blessing. You can find me at at Brent HQ. Thanks for listening and subscribing. And again, uh, rate and review us uh, a positive rate or review would be appreciated <laughs> chris uh till next week have a good one have a good one as well everybody out there i hope you have a great week and we'll be back next week <laughs>